Endgame, 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 Endgame. This is the series we're in. If you were with us last week, we understood that from the cradle to the grave, we are carried. A lot of people have spoken to me, told me, Pastor, you know, you need to talk about prophecy and the end times and that kind of thing. And I, I have listened to those messages and I said, you know what? There's a place for messages about the end times. But I believe that we need to consider precisely what God has in store for each and every one of us. I believe that there's an individual end game, right? Because a lot of people are asking questions. Lord, Pastor, what, what's up with this uh, coronavirus? Is it the end of the world? Now, I think that there's a place to discuss things like that. But I believe that it is more important for us to understand what is God's specific plan for you and I? What is our future supposed to look like? I'm suggesting to you that instead of focusing so much on what is going to happen at the very end, focus on what God is trying to do for you. And I believe that God has a plan. God has a purpose. And I want to uh, bring our second installation of Endgame based on Isaiah 46 verses 5. If you were with us last week, you know that we talked about verses 1 to 4. But today I want to finish up the rest of the chapter and look at verses 5 to number 13. The word of God says, To whom will, will you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we should be alike? Verse 46, verse 6 says, They lavish gold out of the bag and weigh silver on the scales. They hire a goldsmith and he makes it a god. They prostrate themselves, yes, they worship. They bear it on the shoulder, they carry it and set it in its place and it stands. From its place it shall not move. Though one cries out to it, yet it cannot answer, nor save him out of his trouble. Verse 8, remember this, remember this, and show yourselves men, recall to mind all you transgressors. Verse 9, remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. God answers the question in number five, in verse five. Verse 10, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I'll do all my pleasure. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man who executes my counsel from a far country. Indeed, I have spoken it and I will bring it to pass I have purposed it. I will also do it. Verse 12. Listen to me, my you stubborn hearted, who are far from righteousness. I bring my righteousness near. It shall not be far off. My salvation shall not linger. And I will place salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. Allow me to work with the title declared. Declared. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, declare your word. Isaiah 55 verse number 11 is clear. So shall my word go out and it shall accomplish everything that I choose for it to accomplish. Please, Lord, accomplish something for us today. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. The title is Declared, not directed, Declared. Uh, people make different kind of plans 
One kind of plan is an outline. An outline details the end of a book from its beginning. It details the end of a talk. It details the beginning of a talk to its end. It details the beginning of a, an article from its beginning to its end. Another kind of plan that people make is a blueprint. A blueprint will tell you the beginning of the foundation to the end of the roof. A blueprint declares the beginning of a building to its very end. Another kind of plan that people make is a business plan. A business plan declares from the beginning of a business to its projected future or success. People also make a plan when they put together a recipe. And the recipe tells you the beginning of the dish to its very end for you to be able to cook it. Plans are important and many of us are good at making plans. Some of us, we plan our day from the very beginning of the day to the very end of the day. Some of us, we plan our weeks like that. Some of us, we plan our months like that. Some of us, our year is already planned out. If I talk to some of you, 2021 is already clear for you. You see, a plan allows you to declare the end from the beginning. It allows you to see what it's going to look like from now. It gives you what I call a prophetic eye over your life. David Allen in the book, Getting Things Done, uh, makes the point clear that our brains are ever in planning mode. You are always thinking what to do next, how to do this, how to do that. I came across a few statements on planning. Yogi Bira says it like this. If you don't know where you're going, you end up someplace else. And that's true. You need to know the path in which you are taking so that you do not get to the wrong place. President John F. Kennedy said it like this. The time to repair the roof is when the sun is shining. I love that. That is, you need to have foresight. Do not wait until last minute. I'm the king of that. <laughs> Do not wait, all of you last minute people. Do not wait for the last minute to do stuff. You need to think ahead of time. Right now, it is time to prepare for the rain. Don't wait for it to rain before you fix the roof. Eleanor Roosevelt said it like this. It takes as much energy to wish as it does to plan. I think you'll agree with me that plans are important and we desperately need them because they allow us to detail the start of something to the finish of something. They allow us to be able to see things before they can actually happen. And so the better you plan, the better it is. Now, the, the truth of the matter is this. Even though we lay the best plans, sometimes plans do not always work out the way they're supposed to work out. You know what I'm talking about. You plan for the day to be sunny, so you wear sunny clothes. But when you go out the house, it starts to rain. And that really, really frustrates you. You say, I planned it to be a sunny day, but why is it raining?
And that is why many of us have learned that when we plan, we need to always have a contingency. We need to always think of the eventuality. We always need to think of the plan B. What if this happens? Because you understand that even the best plans do not always turn out to be the way you plan them to be. And that allows you and I to understand something that even though we can declare a plan, we cannot direct how the plan is going to turn out. We may have declarative ability, but we do not have directive ability. I wish somebody could say amen right now. That means that you are not the president of your life. And that means you are not the CEO of your life. That means you are not the owner of your life. Somebody else is the director of your life. I wish I had a witness this morning. I want you to understand that God directs the end from the beginning. That is, God is able not only to declare something, but God is able to direct something. In fact, uh, Isaiah 46 verse number 10 is going to back me up really nicely this morning. The text reads, and I want to read it to you one more time, God speaking right here. In fact, the prophet is speaking on the behalf of God. He says, this is God's directive ability. He says, declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, the things that are not yet done. The text says, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. I want you to understand that God not only can declare something, God doesn't only speak something, but God is able to direct that something into existence. In fact, the original text, the original word in the, in the, in the Hebrew, when, when, when translators translate declare, it actually means to give a detailed report over something. That is to be able to explain something from step one to step number 10. God has the ability to tell you precisely what is going to happen. And that is why I told you last week that God is able to carry you from the cradle to the grave. God knows precisely the beginning of your life to its very end. God already knew that you'd marry that somebody. God already knew that you'd go to this particular school. God already knew that you would, you would choose this career path. God already knew that you would move your family to Jakarta. God already knew that you would desire to go on vacation in Bali. God already knew that you wanted to buy that pair of shoes because God understands you and he knows you and he has detailed your life. And I need somebody to know this morning that God knows precisely how your life is supposed to go. You may not know it. You may not understand it. But praise the Lord, Frankie, that God knows how it's supposed to turn out. And this morning, you and I can trust God enough and say, God, I may not know how my life will be like. I may not know how it's going to turn out. But you know. Ah, Tina Tahu, I don't know. But you, you know. 
And that's not, that, that's not uh, some kind of uh, uh, puffed up talk. That's the real deal this morning. You see, when you order a grab car, the moment you order a grab car is that it tells you your origin and your destination. You already know how the car is supposed to move you either from Caucasus all the way to Pacific Place. You already know. In fact, on the map, it will tell you we're going to use uh, uh, Jalan uh, Dr. Saharjo. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to turn uh, uh, left onto Rasuna Said, And then you're going to go onto Gatsu. And then you're going to go off the ramp at the Samangi Circle. And you're going to arrive at Pacific Place. Because the Grab app wants you to understand, wants you to have confidence that you are going to the right place. Allow me to tell you this morning that God knows your origin and your destination. And that's good news. That is fantastic news. But allow me to tell you something else about the Grab app. If you are not the one who ordered the Grab car, you don't have access to the map. You understand what I'm saying, right? You don't have access to the map. The person who ordered the Grab car for you has the access to the map. You cannot see the map, but you believe you believe that you're going to get your destination because you trust the one who ordered the map for you. I'm getting somewhere with this. You see, many of us, that's how we live life. Because God wants you to understand that you do not know the map. You don't know where you're going, but you trust the one who ordered your life. That is, Lord, I don't know the destination. I don't know how I'm going to make it through this year. I don't know how my career is going to pan out, but Lord, you have the map and you know where I'm supposed to be going. I need you to understand that when God declares something, he directs it into existence. And that is why you can trust God this morning. And that is why your end game is all right. You don't have to worry about how it's going to turn out because you trust God. And that is why the prophet is saying, Frankie, declaring the end from the beginning. And notice what the text says. Whatever I say is going to stand. Whatever I declare is not going to fail on its face. We are praying, Lord, I need a job. Trust that God will give you a job. You're praying, Lord, I need a family. Trust that God will give you a family. You're praying, Lord, I, I need to move to, to another city. I, I want to take my family to another place. I trust that God will bring you there. And you may not see it. You may not know how you're going, but you know that God has ordered me to exist in this world. And because he has ordered me to exist in this world, his counsel over my life is going to stand. I do not need to worry. I do not need to fret. I do not need to be anxious about my life. I know that what God declares, he will direct it into existence. And many of us will live in troubled lives because we don't trust God enough. Because we want to be the CEO of our lives. We want to be the president of our lives. We want to own our lives. But I have news for you this today. That you are not the owner of your life. You are not the president of your life. God is. You see there is something happening in this passage. That I need you to understand. And we understood a little bit about this last week. Where uh, the prophet is talking about idols unable to carry us. And God is trying to make a distinction between himself 
and idols between himself and and God and he begins by asking a question good he says to whom are you going to compare me at uh, river I love this passage because you know God likes challenges you know God likes to <laughs> likes to be challenged to 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 show you that he is something he's saying who are you going to compare me to who is like me who has the same capabilities and abilities who can do things that i can do and he says nobody nobody else is god nobody else can do what i do because they do not stand on a level like 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 me uh, can you imagine god talking to those people in in the time of babylon the israelites they are looking at nebo and bel we talked about nebo and bel last week if you were with us in the sermon if you didn't cast that please go back to the sermon carried we are on podcast we are on 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 spotify and apple podcast you know catch us right there you can rewind the sermons but god makes a fundamental distinction he says look nebo and bel cannot hear you when you pray nebo and bel cannot heal you when you're in the hospital. Nebo and Bell cannot provide food for you. But me, I can do that because I am God and there is nobody like me. And let me put it to you like this. God is not being proud or egotistical. You understand what I'm saying? God is simply stating a fact. This is who I am. This is how it is. Nobody else, nothing else can help you. And so therefore, do not put your emotions, do not put your devotion, do not put your affection, do not put your commitment in something that cannot help you. But me, I can help you because I am able to tell you how your life is going to pan out. Now, if you don't believe me, look at the life of Jesus. When you study the book of Psalms and the whole Old Testament, beginning in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, God tells us how the life of Jesus will pan out. He tells us that he'll be betrayed by a friend. He tells us that when he dies on the cross, he'll be stabbed on his side. He tells us that he's going to be born in Bethlehem. He tells us that he would have a mother who was a, a virgin. Now now you look at that you say God that's so spiritual, right? That's for Jesus right now. God is saying the way I detail the life of Jesus. That's how your life is. That's how it is because God wants you to understand that you're not an afterthought. God just didn't maybe people people made a mistake and and people got 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 married and they had you they didn't plan for you <laughs> but God planned for you. You are not an afterthought and I need somebody here to understand that right now. When you're doubting God and you're wondering if God cares about me, when you're saying, "God, are you there?" I want you to know that God is there. He loves you. He cares for you and your life is going to turn out all right. That this 2020, this pandemic is not going to knock you out. In fact, it's going to make you better. In fact, you're going to be a stronger Christian. What you need to do is say, "Lord, I will trust you. I'm going to sit in the grab car and let you drive. I will trust you. I will not look at the map. I will not even go on Google Maps. I will trust you and I'm going to get to my destination. You see many people will go to palm readers and they'll go to these uh, fortune tellers. Uh, but you know what fortune tellers do? They listen to you tell your story and then they spin your story and tell you how your life is supposed to be like and that's 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 really silly. But I'm glad that God is not a fortune teller. He's not a poem reader. 
Because God knows my origin and my destination. Now I want to tell you two things. How we can trust God's declarative and directive ability. Two things and then we're going to be through. And the first thing I want you to understand is that we need to remember former things. Remember former things. This is important. Why? Because in verse number 8, the, the, the writer says, remember this. One of the greatest disadvantages we do ourselves is to forget. Is to forget. To forget what God has done. Spiritual amnesia is real, y'all. And this is what spiritual amnesia does. Spiritual amnesia squeezes out faith. And squeezes in fear. You see, when you forget what God has done, when you're in a crisis situation, you're going to panic. Because that crisis situation will make you feel that you're abandoned. It will make you think that God doesn't exist. If you think about it very carefully in the Bible, when you look at the book of Judges and when you look at other stories in the Bible, when, whenever people became afraid about their situation, when they were facing enemy armies, when they were suffering a drought, a drought when they were in a difficult situation, whenever they, came, they became afraid is because they were under spiritual amnesia. And Lord knows that some of us are under spiritual amnesia. What, what that means is we can't remember what God did for us yesterday. We can't remember what God did for us last year. So when we are in a situation that is difficult, we are praying, Lord, please, Lord, Lord, help me. I need money. I need this. But yet last year, when you were broke, when you didn't have money, God sent a blessing your way. You don't know how the money came, but it came. Now, if you're in a situation in which you are worried about how the business is going to go like, you're worried about your relationship, you're worried about your job, you're worried about your health. When you're in a situation like that, you should make sure that you go back to how you have been in your experience with the Lord. Because when you forget, what you're doing is you are putting a chokehold on your faith. And you're allowing fear to come in. And that is why the prophet says in verse number 9, Remember the former things. You know, people will tell you the past don't matter. I'm here to tell you that the past do matter. Forgive my, my broken English. The past does matter with God. Yes, the, the, the past hardships and difficulties, you may want to forget that. But when it comes to your experience with God, you need to go back to God. And right here, when the prophet talks about former things, he's talking about their prison break, uh -uh, prison break out of Egypt. And God is saying, from the time I let you out of Egypt until now, let's do a rewind. What has happened? From the time I left you until now. <laughs> so this is what happens down. Well, God says, think about the plagues that I sent on Pharaoh. Think about the fact that I allowed you to walk on dry ground when you got out of Egypt. Think about eating manna for breakfast, for lunch and dinner. In fact, remember when you were thirsty, I told Moses to strike the rock and the water came out. <clears throat> Maybe you forgot. Remember on the Mount of Sinai when I showed you my presence and you saw thunder and the earth shook? I showed you that my presence is here. Remember that tabernacle Moses built and I was there in your midst? 
oh my goodness, you have forgotten about me sending judges like Samson and, and Gideon and Ehud and Eglon. You forgot about Deborah? <laughs> have you forgotten about David, my king, and Solomon, who has brought you to this place? And so God is saying, when you look at what I have been to you until now, I have been there. So there is no need for you to worry about this situation. There is no need for you to have spiritual amnesia. Brother and sister, I'm here to tell you, when you are troubled, think about what God has done for you, what God has been in you, and God has what God has been able to bring through for you. Oh, I'm too excited. Many times we wonder if God exists. I'm here to tell you that God does exist. And if you only can, can do a little memory jog and, and go back to those times before you met God and to the times when you met God, to the times when God did come through for you. I remember vividly in my mind, I was praying, Lord, please take me someplace that I can serve you. Please take me someplace that I can work for you. And I got a call from Indonesia. Hey, brother, wait, I was in the village somewhere in Africa. Somebody called me. Says, we need a pastor. And, let me tell you, God provides. So right now, I have no need to worry what my life is going to be like in 2021. Because God was there for me in 2017. And he's going to be there for me in 2022, 2023, 2024. And every 2020, I'm going to be alive. So we have no need to worry. But go back to the former things. One writer says, we have nothing to fear for the future. Except as we shall forget God's leading in our past history. That's where the problem is. You see, we take uh, photographs. We take pictures. You know why? Because we want to imprint memories. We want to remember former things. <laughs> you know what I mean? We want to remember the former accomplishments. We want to remember the former places we visited. We want to remember the former uh, people in our lives. We want to remember the former things. Have you taken spiritual photographs? So that you can remember former things. When the Lord baptized you, that should be a spiritual photograph. <laughs> when he provided for you, make sure that you take a spiritual photograph. And, and there are many ways to take spiritual photographs. You can write a book. You can write an article. You can share a testimony. Make sure that you're keeping spiritual photographs. You need to have a spiritual album of the former things that God has done for your life. And when you're in trouble, <clears throat> when you're in trouble, then you open up that album and start to look and see. And you know, something happens when you look at photographs. They bring back former sights and sounds. They bring back former smells and former struggles they bring they bring back former strengths they, they bring you back to to how it was i remember the other day i was i, I was just uh, looking at some pictures back in college i could remember what i was wearing that day i could remember even the sweat on my body that that's what it happened and so the prophet is saying to the people of God, you need to remember the former things because he is the truth of the day. Remembering former things provides an anchor when the waves of life threaten to make you drift. You know, I, I want to say that one more time because that's a powerful moment. I wish I had an amen for that, y'all. I, I need an amen for this one. Remembering former things <clears throat> provides an anchor. When the waves of life threaten to make you drift. 
Amen. When you remember the former things, they will anchor you. You will not be able to move. You'll be strong because you trust that God is going to take care of you. Look at Jesus, Frankie, right there on the boat. Brother is asleep because he knew who had his back. He knew who was taking care of him. So when you, when you think about what God has done, man, you're going to be all right. Your faith is going to be steady. And that is why, that is why I'm telling you that anxiety and, and ingratitude cannot exist in the same place. Because when you think about the former things of God, it makes your heart well up with gratitude. It makes you say, Lord, thank you because I have somebody who is supporting me. Lord, thank you. I have somebody who is coming through for me. Lord, thank you because you are there for me. And because you are there for me, I'll be all right. So former things, they're going to anchor you. What is a former thing that you have forgotten that God has done for you that you need to remember again? You need to say, you know what, Lord, this moment you truly, truly came in for me. The second thing you need to do in order to trust God's declarative and directive ability is that you need to rave for new things. Uh-huh. You need to rave for new things. And here is what the prophet says in verse number 12. He says, listen to me. Now, in the King James Version, it says, hearken unto me. But we like listening because that is the modern term. God says, listen to me, you stubborn people. And that's, that's, that's the problem a lot of times. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's a problem a lot of times. Many of us are what I call spiritual donkeys. We're very stubborn. <laughs> we don't want to move. You know what I mean? God is speaking like, Lord, mm. God is saying, I've forgiven you of your sins. You're still saying, Lord, this sin is so bad. God is saying, let it go. God is saying, I'm going to provide you somebody. You're saying, no, Lord, I, I need to do this. I need to do that. Man, God is saying, you are too stubborn sometimes. I'm too stubborn sometimes. God says, listen to me, you stubborn people. Who are so far from doing right. The greatest thing you can do for yourself. Listen to me carefully. Is to listen to God. Amen. The greatest favor you can do for yourself. You may not listen to Pastor Henry. Right? It doesn't matter if you listen to me. But what God is saying. You better listen to that. Because that is the greatest favor. That you can do for yourself. And here let me just put it to you straight. When you listen to God. It's not just listening one ear and going out the other ear. When you listen according to the biblical sense, it's with the intention to do what God has said. And that is why God says, I don't want people who hear the word only, but I need doers of the word. And that's where the problem is, many of us. We are too stubborn. We don't want to act on God's word. But God says, listen to me. And the greatest favor you can do yourself, your family, your friends, your fans, whoever is around you is to listen to God. Whatever God is telling you, that is money in the bank. That is your wealth right there. That, that is you getting rich right there. And so God says, listen to me because God is about to prime them for something important. Now, when you tell somebody, hey, listen to me, it's because you're about to say something important. And this is what God says. This is what God says. For I am ready. God says, I'm ready. You know that God is ready? 
God says, I am ready. I am ready. I am ready. I am ready to set things right. In other words, I'm ready to do something new. Not in the distant future. Not in the distant future, but right now. Skarang. Right now. Right now. Not then, but right now. He says, I am ready to save Jerusalem and to show my glory to Israel. In this context, God is telling the people of Judah in Babylon, he's saying to them, I will send Cyrus the Great to defeat the Babylonians and he's going to allow you to do a prison break 2.0 to go back to Jerusalem. That is what I did in Egypt. I'm going to do it again. And not only is he going to let you go, but he's going to sign a waiver to allow you to go back to your doorsteps and your porches. Life is going to return as it once was. I am going to do this right now. Not in the distant future. Praise the Lord. So God is saying, I need you to rave. I need you to be excited about what I'm about to do. Unfortunately, the people in those times, they would hear words like this and they would say, Lord, we are foreigners, not citizens. Lord, we are in a foreign place. We have to suffer with a foreign language. The people are racist against us. We're going through so many different things. And God is saying to them, I'm about to do something new. But when they heard that, they didn't take God's word to heart. And sometimes you hear word of the Lord. He's telling you, I'm going to do something new for you. I'm going to change your situation. But what you do is, Lord, what about my debt? Lord, what about my disease? Lord, what about my challenge in my family? God is saying, don't think about that. Think about what I'm about to do. Not so far from you. But right now, and so brother and sister, hear me carefully. When God has declared that he's about to do something new, you and I need to appreciate what God is about to do. But here's the problem. Many of us, our minds are dwarfs to God's big plans. When God speaks, our minds are too short. They're dwarfs. Very small to con contemplate and to really See what God is about to do. Uh, don't take my word for it. Paul said it best. No eye has seen. No ear heard. No mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. <laughs> we, we are not able to really conceptualize what God is about to do. So God says, because you can't conceptualize what I'm about to do, you need to think about the former things. Because the former things is a pattern of what I'm about to do in the future. And that is why you must go back to the former things because the former things allow you to rave for the new things. I love what one scholar says. He puts it beautifully. He says it like this. The Lord always has greater things in store. He is revealed in the past, but he's always more than the past revealed. Egypt was great. God taking the people out of Egypt was great. But him taking them out of Babylon was greater. Mm. And let me tell you something else. Egypt was great. Babylon was great. But God taking you and I out of this Babylon called earth, out of this Egypt called earth is greater. <laughs> it was great for God to save uh, people like Rahab in the past. But you know what's greater? is to save an atheist now.
It was great for God to, for Jesus to resurrect the dead and take Lazarus out of the grave. But you know what's going to be greater? When God with the trumpet call of the archangel is going to shout and we're going to resurrect from the grave. All those who are dead, we're going to resurrect from the grave and be with the Lord. Allow me to tell you that what God has done in the past is simply an indication of greater things to come. Many of us are stuck. We are wondering, Lord, you don't act like you did in the past because God doesn't want to act like he did in the past God wants to do something better something greater and so you and I can say Lord I live in a better place now than I did than Moses I live better now than Jeremiah because I know what you did for them is a fraction of what you are willing to do for me and that is good news right now brother and sister please take courage that God is in planning and intending to do good things for your life and that is why you can rave for new things and that is why you can say, Lord, I know you're going to do awesome and great things. That is why you can say, Lord, you're going you're gonna to take care of me. You're going to take care of my situation. The Lord always has greater things in store. I'm not sure what God has in store for your life. I'm not sure what new things God wants to do for you now. But believe me, it's going to be a lot greater than whatever you've experienced. Because God is not limited to to the past. God is not set in a certain pattern. What you need and what I need is to have faith. And you know, I know this because many of us like certain products. I know Elder Rivo likes iPhone. Perhaps my brother Frankie likes a BMW. I don't know. Maybe that's his favorite car. I'm just assuming right now. Perhaps my brother Gun and, and Donald, they like to fly in Singapore Airlines. Now, here's a fact of the matter. Because you've experienced a good product, a good service, either with iPhone, either with Singapore Airlines or with a BMW, you know why? You know what happens? When the company announces that they're about to bring out a new product, guess what? You rave for it. Why? Because you have experienced a good, <laughs> you have experienced a good experience. And that's how it should be with God. Because you know what he can do. Therefore, when he tells you, I'm going to do new things for you, when he tells you, I'm about to change your situation, guess what? You need to be excited like a kid in a candy store because you know that God is about to do great and awesome things. I love the way the text says it. He says, for I'm about to do something new. Hallelujah. I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Mm, 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 mm. God says, I have already begun. Lord, I don't see it. I don't understand it. No, God says, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in a dry wasteland. Because God not only declares, but he directs it. Because God has not only declarative ability, he has directive ability. Hallelujah, somebody. That is why when you look at his promises, those promises are real. When you take a promise of God, when God says, do not fear, I will be with you. What that means is God will be with you and he will lead you in a way that you will not fear. What you need to do is to change your focus. Don't focus on your problem. Focus on what God can do. Because what God declares, he's able to direct into existence. When I go for running practice... My coach likes to make sure that he directs the practice. So after stretching, he would direct us to the place where we're supposed to start running the sets. 
Not only does he direct us to the place where we're supposed to start running the sets, but he makes sure that he tells us precisely how we are supposed to run. Now, in my case, because English, I mean, Bahasa is still a challenge. <clears throat> Pray for me, y'all. My coach uses sign language to make sure that he's directing my path. <laughs> he will tell me how to strike the ground. He uses, he, man, I, I can't even do it. He, he, he will show me how I'm supposed to strike the ground. He will use sign language to show me how I'm supposed to be standing up tall. He will direct me. When I'm running, he will direct me. When I, I, I'm being lazy, he will <laughs> redirect me. I'm here to tell you, brother and sister, God wants to be coach in your life. God wants to direct your life because when he's directing your life, he's going to lead you in the right path. You're going to get to the destination that he has intended and planned for you. It's time for us to resign as CEOs of our lives. It is time to resign as presidents of our lives. It is time for us to say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to allow you to lead because I know that you are able to direct the end from the beginning. And I want to follow somebody who knows how everything is supposed to play out. Join with me in declaring this statement this afternoon and just follow along. And I want those who are listening to just follow after me. I'm going to go a little, a little slow, but I want you to repeat the words after me. We are saying to the Lord today, Lord, we're going to let you direct our lives. We're going to let you lead us forward. And because we understand you are the coach of our lives, we don't have to worry about the end game because you already know how it's going to turn out. Please follow after me, Lord. I retire as the director of my life. I will follow what you declare because it's directed. I will follow what you declare because it's directed. I will make plans. But I'll allow you to direct my steps. I'll retire my ego. And I'll retire my anxiety. I will let you be the CEO of my life. Let us make that commitment today. Let us make that commitment to let God do it and lead us forward. Because when he declares it, he directs it. Whatever God has declared over your life, trust me, it's going to happen. But you have to allow him to lead your life. Every head is bowed, every set of eyes is closed as we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you today because you not only declare, but you direct. And Father, we want you to be coach, CEO, president of our lives. The future, you already know. We're going to trust you to lead us forward. We're going to trust you to take us to the promised land. We're going to trust you to give us deliverance. Brothers and sisters have committed and given you control. Giving you trust. Please, Lord, lead us forward. Forgive us, Lord, in moments when we have doubted you. In moments when our faith has been weak. But today, Father, we say no more. And we're going to go with you. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your kindness.
Thank you, Father, for your love. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you.